0: If you turn to Ezra chapter 2, that's page 273 in the church Bibles, Ezra chapter 2. A number of people uh, in the church uh, read ahead uh, to what we're going to look at each week, uh, which is a really good thing to do. Uh, But I've been asked by a number of people this week, what are you going to do with this chapter in Ezra? It's just just a list of names. What can you do with a list of names? Well, the Bible tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, or is God-breathed, and all of it is profitable. And that includes this list of names in Ezra chapter 2. Now, all of us are on a list of some kind most of those lists are boring I work on the elections and when I go and I uh, arrive the first thing I do after we set up the polling station is to look at the electoral roll and I memorize the street names in order on what page they're on so that when people come in and they tell me their name I know exactly where they'll be on the list and we can find them really quickly now for some of you that might be really interesting But really, a list of street names is rather boring, and most of you don't really start singing and dancing about the fact that you are on the electoral roll. Some lists, though, are very interesting, and some we really do want to be on. In 1993, when the Premier League had its first ever season of football, I was a nine-year-old lad who collected the Panini sticker albums. And I have in my loft somewhere... Uh, two completed albums of those first two seasons, of all the shiny stickers and everything. But I was looking through those albums as a nine-year-old lad, and I wanted to be on the list of any one of those squads, because Plymouth Argyle were not in any of those albums, but I would love, I'd love to have been on a list of a Premier League football squad. Some of you, perhaps, would love to see your name on the Time 100 list of most influential people in the world today. Some of you may love to have your name on the list of the the Sunday Times rich list. Maybe some of you are just thrilled about a list you are already on, perhaps the list of a golf club, a university roster, a sports team, or even as a member of Pelsall Evangelical Church. When you come to Ezra 2, we see a list And it appears very uninviting as a chapter. It's a list of names. You wouldn't pick this passage as the favourite passage of Scripture that you have ever read. That when you uh, are are wanting someone to bring you comfort or encouragement, you wouldn't say, oh, read me Ezra chapter 2. But this is profitable. This is Scripture. This is God's Word. But as we think about lists, like I've just mentioned, it gives us an understanding and helps us to see the importance of the lists in the Bible, including this one in Ezra chapter 2. Because the name, or our name, being on a list is very important. For these people on this list, this was important that their name was on it. And the best uh, description of the importance of it that I can think of is is there are some lists that you'll be angry or upset or devastated if you are not on them. So for example, if you went to a university graduation and your name was missed, you'd be devastated, wouldn't you? More so when there is a sports team, perhaps, that's achieved something and they read out the list of names and your name wasn't on there. But even more than that, there's lists of names on war memorials. Or on September the 11th each year on Ground Zero, they read the list of names. And for those family members on the war memorials and that list of names at Ground Zero, those lists are ever so important, aren't they? I went uh, last year to visit the National War Arboretum uh, near Burton. And when I was there, I went and I looked for a specific name. Because I am named after my uncle that died before I was born in the Falklands War. And in the National War Arboretum, there is a, a big memorial to all of the soldiers who have died since World War II. And I went there, and I saw engraved in the stone, S. Hope. My name was there, and I was moved In fact, I was more moved than I thought I would be at seeing my name there, or it's my uncle's name, written in stone at the war memorial. Now, for those that are on this list in Ezra 2, for their descendants and the people looking back at the return from exile, it was very important that they saw their name on this list. And in fact, there's so much in this list but I want to split it into two and we'll look at it over the next uh, couple of weeks. Because this list teaches us some important truths. Firstly, this week we'll see about God and next week we'll see about the people of God. Remember, in the book of Ezra, it's split into three sections. The first section in chapters one and two is about the return from exile in Babylon to Jerusalem. The second section is about the rebuilding of the temple and the third section is about restoring the law. So we're still in that section about the return from exile and in Ezra chapter 2 we see a list of those who returned. So this week we're going to see the God of the list. The God of the list. And I'm going to read you Ezra chapter 2. And as we go through, I'll stop at certain points just to make a comment about what is going on uh, and what the list is talking about. So let's read uh, from chapter 1, and I apologise if I can't pronounce these names perfectly. But Ezra, chapter 2 and verse 1. Now these are the people of the province who came up from the captivity of the exiles, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken captive to Babylon. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to their own town, in company with Zerubbabel, Joshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Reliah, Mordecai, Bishan, Mizpah, Bigvi, Rahum, and Bana. The list of the men of the people of Israel. Now this first list, this is my first comment, up to verse 35 is the list of of the laymen. Not, um, these aren't people that are religious leaders. These are uh, the normal lay people that are going back to help rebuild the temple. So the descendants of Parash, 2,172. Of Sheftiah, 372. Of Arar, 775. Of Pehath-Moab, through the line of Jeshua and Joab, 2,812. Of Elam, 1,254. Of Zatu, 945, of Zakai, 760, of Bani, 642, of Bebai, 623, of Asgad, 1222, of Adonikam, 666, of Bigvi, 2056, of Adin, 454, of Attar through Hezekiah, 98, of Bezai, 323, of Jorah, 112 of Hashem, 223 of Gibar, 95. And then in verse 21, it starts talking about people by town. So this is the, uh, the list of towns the men of Bethlehem, 123 of Netophah, 56 of Anathoth, 128 of Asmivath, 42 of Kiriath Jerim, Kephirah, and Beeroth, 743 of Ramah and Geba, 621, of Michmash, 122, of Bethel and Ai, 223, of Nebo, 52, of Magbish, 156, of the other Elam, 1,254, of Harim, 320, of Lod, Hadid, and Ono, 725, of Jericho, 345, of Sena, 3,630. After this they start listing uh, the levite the levite the levite from the priests then the levites the musicians the gatekeepers and the temple servants these are the people that worked in the religious life of the people so the priests the descendants of jediah through the family of jeshua 973 of imma 1052 of Pasha, 1247 of harim 1017 the Levites, the descendants of Jeshua and Kadmiel of the line of Hodavah, 74. The musicians, the descendants of Asaph, 128. The gatekeepers of the temple, the descendants of Shalom, Atar, Talmon, Akub, Haita, and Shobai, 139. The temple servants, the descendants of Zihar, Hashufar, Tabeoth, Keros, Sihar, Padon, Labanar, Hagabar, Akub Hagab, Shalmai, Hanan, Gidal, Gira, Reah, Rezin, Nekoda, Gazam, Uza, Paseah, Besai, Asna, Mayunim, Mefusim, Bakbuk, Hakufa, Haru, Bezloth, Mahida, Hasha, Barkoz, Sisera, Timah, Nezariah, and Hatifa. The descendants of the servants of Solomon, the descendants of Sotai, Hashphareth Peruda, Jala, Darkon, Gidel, Sheftiya, Hatil, Pokareth Hezabam, and Ami. The descendant the temple servants and the descendants of the servants of Solomon, three hundred and ninety-two. The following came up from the towns of Tel Melah, Talhasha, Kerub, Adon, and Imma, but they could not show that their families were descended from Israel the descendants of Delilah, Tobiah, and Nakoda, 652. And from among the priests, the descendants of Habiah, Hakoz, and Barzillai, a man who had married a daughter of Barzillai the Gileadite, and was called by that name. These searched for their family records, but they could not find them, and so were excluded from the priesthood as unclean. The governor ordered them not to eat any of the most sacred food until there was a priest ministering with the Urim and Thummim. The whole company numbered 42,360, besides their 7,337 male and female slaves, and they also had 200 men and female singers, they had 736 horses, 245 mules, 435 camels, and 6,720 donkeys. When they arrived at the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, some of the heads of the families gave freewill offerings toward the rebuilding of the house of God on its site. According to their ability, they gave to the treasury for this work. 61,000 diricks of gold, 5,000 minus of silver, and a 100 priestly garments. The priests, the Levites, the musicians, the gatekeepers, and the temple servants settled in their own towns along with some of the other people, and the rest of the Israelites settled in their towns. Well, this is God's word. And all of those names are God's people. And tonight, as we look at the list in a more general uh, frame, and we look at the God of the list, first of all, we're going to see that it's a list of God's people. Then we're going to see that it's a list of God's grace. And then we're going to see that it's a list of God's care for individuals. So first of all, this is a list of God's people. Verses 1 and 2 tell us, what this list consists of. So these are the people of the province. So the province is Judah, which is where Jerusalem was, and this was the province where the people were going back to. So they were living in in the Babylonian Empire, and they were going back uh, to the province of Judah. And this list was written after the fact so that the people of the province, of Judah, who came up from the captivity of the exiles, Whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken captive to Babylon. So these people are God's people returning from exile to Babylon. These are the people who, in chapter 1, remember God's heart, uh, God had moved their hearts. Their hearts had been moved so that they would go back uh, to Jerusalem or to Judah. And in verse 2, we see a list of the leaders of the people who led the group listed back to Babylon. I won't read the list of names again, but in verse 2, we see there the list of the leaders. And an effort is made to show that this group of people are a continuation of the people who were, in, uh, before, who were before the exile. A continuation of God's people who were in Israel, in Judah, in the first place. The first reference to that is in verse 1, which talks about King Nebuchadnezzar. He was the king that took them into exile. But the first two leaders that we read in verse 2 are also important for this fact. Look at the first name who comes up in verse 2. It's the name of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was a descendant of King David. If Judah was still a nation, Zerubbabel would more than likely be king. He is the grandson of the last legitimate king of Judah, Jehoiachin. Zerubbabel is top of the list for this reason. He was in line to be king. Now, Judah were never a political nation again with a king. But Zerubbabel still became the leader of God's people as the governor. There's no throne, but the promise to David to have a descendant on the throne could at least be fulfilled through Zerubbabel because David's descendants still existed. So Zerubbabel is the first name on the list, showing the continuation of the people of God from the king downwards. But look at the next name on the list, the name of Joshua. Now, Zerubbabel was the political leader, but Joshua was the religious leader. He was the high priest. Joshua was the son of the high priest Josadak, who was the last high priest in Judah before they went into exile. So the religious leadership was still in place. There is a continuation god is holding on to his people and they are continuing on after the exile now we don't know much about the rest of the leaders in that list it's unlikely that the names nehemiah and mordecai are those from the books of nehemiah and esther they were probably just popular names at the time but people do disagree on that but the point of this list of leaders is is to show the continuity of the people of God. This is a list of God's people. And there's a parallel passage to this in Nehemiah chapter 7. The list is presented in Nehemiah 7 slightly differently, but it's another list of God's people going back. But the interesting thing about Nehemiah 7 is that there are 12 leaders, whereas here in Ezra there are 11. We don't know why there are 11 here and not 12. Perhaps Shesh Bazar is... Uh, not included, who was the one who was leading in chapter 1. But the point here is that the leaders are leading God's people. Remember there were 12 tribes in Israel. In the New Testament, Jesus picked 12 disciples. And here we have a group of leaders leading God's people back into Judah. But here is an important element for us. I said at the beginning that we are all wanting to be on some lists. Well, we read in our reading a list that we all need to be on. And this is the big picture of this passage that God lists the names of his people. God lists the names of his people. And in Revelation 20, we see two lists which are revealed at the end of time, when God, the righteous judge, judges everyone who has ever lived. Now, the first list, the list of the dead and all they have done, well, there is judgment for those on that list. But the Bible, in that passage, talks about the book of life, which has names written in it. Names. Now the problem is that we don't deserve to be on that book of life. Our sin, those things that we have done wrong, stop us from being in the book of life and cause us to be on that list of judgment. And if your whole life was judged, well no doubt you'd have some things that you were proud of, but for me at least they would be eclipsed by all those things that I am ashamed of those things recorded, those things that I have done and things that I have said, even things that I have thought. And I deserve hell because I deserve to be on that list. But in verse 15 of that passage in Revelation 20, it says, anyone whose name was not found in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Those who are in the book of life are a list of God's people, those who have been saved from condemnation. And God has His people on a list. And friends, this is a list you want to get on. Now sin uh, blackballs us, if you like, from being on that list, but Jesus has come, and He has died on the cross. He's died in our place as our substitute. He's paid the penalty for our sin. So our names can be written in the book of life. The exiles who read this list would be eagerly looking for their name. They would go to the records and they'd be searching for their name. And they would say, "Oh, there they are! The people of Adin, or the people of Bigvai, or those who come from Nebo, or Anatoth." They'd, they'd be searching in and saying, "There we are! There's my name." Now, when I read that list of names, they probably meant nothing to you. Like, they meant nothing much to me. I certainly wouldn't call my children any of those names on that list. But when it comes to the book of life, oh, when that list is read out, we want our names on there. And we'll be listening eagerly for our name to be on the list. But unless we come to Jesus and we ask him for forgiveness, then our name is not going to be there. Perhaps some of you are unsure about your name. Maybe you're a bit like an underage drinker going to a bar without ID, and you're thinking, oh, I just hope they don't ask me. You need to make sure that you are on the book of life, that your name is written in there. You need to come to our Father and confess your sins, and ask him to forgive you, because Jesus has paid for your sin. You need to turn from your sin and follow Jesus as king, and your name will be on that list. There's no, there's no question. There's no wondering. You're not going to be there on, on that day, wondering, is my name there? If Jesus has paid for your sin, your name is there, and it will never be removed. Chapter 1, we saw how the Lord moved the hearts of God's people to go. And God's people are those he has moved. In fact, the word church in the Greek is ecclesia, which means called out ones. Those whom God has called out to serve him. And here we have a list of a church in the Old Testament. Those God has called out to go and serve him. And being on the list of God's people is all about those whom God has moved the heart of. So let's pray that God moves people's hearts to come and serve him as king. Now most lists on earth we deserve to be on because of something about us. If you um, uh, live in the UK and you are a resident and a citizen, you deserve to be on the electoral roll. If you pay a membership fee to a club, you deserve to be on the list of that club. But no one deserves to be on the list of the book of life, because all of us are sinners. And so secondly, we see that this list is a list of God's grace. And there's a number of ways that this list shows us the grace of God. In a general way, uh, we see God's grace in the fact that there is a list at all. These people that were going back were in exile because they were disobedient to God. They were in exile because they had rejected God over and over again and had worshipped other gods. They had sinned grossly against God and they deserved the exile which they were in. But here we have a list of names that God has called back by grace to go back to their land. And aren't we, as a people of God, sinners saved by grace. We read at the very beginning that Paul wrote that it's a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus has died for sinners of whom I am the worst. If we are in the book of life, it is only by God's grace. It is by grace that you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. Let us not forget that none of us deserve to be on God's list of his people. And I pray and, and, and urge you not to, uh, that, that, that this truth would deliver you from, from pride and it would cause us to worship God fervently. As Christians, we are saved eternally by grace And we'll continue to be shown God's grace, even as we struggle with sin. And there's two ways of looking at this list. First of all, uh, as we look at Ezra and the return, uh, first of all, we see that it pictures our deliverance from sin into eternal life as Christians. That's one way of looking at the exile. We're delivered from sin into eternal life. But secondly, we can also see a picture of how God restores his people when they are wayward, when they have sinned. As a Christian, I'm eternally saved. My name is in the book of life and I can't remove myself from that. But I still struggle with sin. My relationship with God can be damaged and, uh, and, and really um, I can have a, a poor relationship with God if I sin and I fall. But God even brings us back to him in those times too. And that's more where the people of God were here. They were still God's people, even in exile, but he brought them back into fellowship with him. He brought them back into the land he had promised. And even when we struggle with sin, God brings us back. And maybe some of you here tonight are struggling so much with sin that you feel alienated from God and feel so far from God. We must remember that God is a God of grace and brings his people back. And so the door is opened for you to return to God. But as they returned, things were not the same as they were before they left. They no longer had a political independence and power that they had before. The temple that they later built, we'll see, was not as grand as Solomon's temple. The list of numbers here of people might seem like a lot, but really when you consider a whole nation, 42,000 is not a lot of people. They were reduced in number. A couple of interesting facts about uh, how this is seen to be true. If you look at verses 36 to 39, you see four groups of priests, uh, the, the descendants of Jedidiah, Emma, Pasha, and Harim. There's four groups, but initially in Israel there was 24. They've been reduced. You might think that their music group was quite big in verse 41 with 128 people in it. But initially, there were three groups of musicians. Here there's only Asaph, but Heman and Ethan's groups are missing. You see there's a reduction here in the numbers of people, a reduction in the amount of of leaders they have. It wasn't the same as what they had left when they returned. Sin had changed things. And sometimes when we fall into sin, God brings us back. But sometimes the consequences of sin are such that things are never the same again. And as you go through this list, there are names that you won't be able to find that much about. But there are some names that we do know about. And one name which highlights God's grace amazingly is the name of the town in verse 23. The name of Anathoth, where there are 128 people returning. Now for some of us, when we fall into sin, things are never the same. Things uh, are, are damaged. But God shows his grace in another way to the children of Anathoth. Anathoth was a town northeast of Jerusalem, and it was where the prophet Jeremiah was born. But the prophet Jeremiah was not accepted in his hometown. In fact, they tried to kill him. And in Jeremiah chapter 11, we read about this town. The words will come up on the screen. Therefore, this is what the Lord says about the people of Anathoth who are threatening to kill you, saying, Do not prophesy in the name of the Lord, or you will die by our hands. Therefore, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I will punish them. Their young men will die by the sword, their sons and daughters by famine. Not even a remnant will be left to them, because I will bring disaster on the people of Anathoth in the year of their punishment. Those who conspired against Jeremiah did die, but God preserved some of them. And in Jeremiah chapter 32, which I'll read a bit of it in a second, God makes an amazing promise to the people. In that chapter, God tells Jeremiah to buy some land in Anathoth. Now, that might not sound strange to you, but it was during the time when Babylon were just about to invade. It was like asking someone to buy some land in Berlin when the Russians and the other allies were surrounding it and say, well, buy a house. now's a really good time. It was crazy. Why would you buy a house in a town that was about to be destroyed? The land was going to go right down in value because it was going to to be desecrated. But God gives the reason in Jeremiah 32. He says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Take these documents, both the sealed and the unsealed copies of the deed of purchase, and put them in a clay jar so that they will last a long time. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Houses, houses, Fields and vineyards will again be bought in this land, and seventy years or so later, we read in Ezra chapter two, in verse uh, in verse twenty-three, the men of Anathoth, one hundred twenty-eight, and there they were. And they went back to Anathoth and they would have dug up this time capsule of a clay jar that Jeremiah had left in the field. And out they would have pulled this deed of purchase and they could say, God keeps his promises of grace. They could say that um, houses and fields and vineyards will again be bought in this land. Amazing, isn't it? Their names were there on the list of grace. No matter how awful we've been, if God has called us to be his people, there is a way back by grace. For God's people as a whole, things were never the same, but sometimes if God wills it, the consequences of sin can be so removed that we can continue serving him, and like children of Anathoth, in our lives, houses and fields and vineyards can again flourish. Either way, it is all God's grace. And for us, we need to be ever so thankful that God has been gracious to us. But we need, we need not look around and wonder why God has allowed certain people into his kingdom and, and, whether, and, and why God has not punished them for their sin and all sorts of things. We ought to be just ever so thankful that our names are written, for none of us deserve to be there. God's grace is shown in this list generally. And it's shown in the list of these individual lives. It's the list of God's people, and it's the list of God's grace. But God's grace can also be seen in the meticulous detail that goes into numbering the people. And we see, uh, finally, that it's a list of God's care for individuals. A list of God's care for individuals. In chapter 1, we see God moving the hearts of kings and empires and nations. But in chapter 2, God is moving in the lives of individual people. In chapter 1, God moved the heart of his people. And in chapter 2, the individual families, clans and towns that he moved are named. Some of them are large numbers. The biggest is the people of, of Senna, 3,630 there in verse 35. But there's also uh, really small numbers, like in verse 24 of the town of Asmaveth, and there's only 42. But God is in control from the the large, big picture events of chapter 1 to the nitty-gritty and seemingly insignificant details of chapter 2, none of which are insignificant to God. It's wonderful to know that the God of the universe has numbered us. He knows us. He knows our names individually. He knows his people. He knows the exact numbers that are written down. And that's a great comfort to me because sometimes in the the grand scheme of things, we, we can feel insignificant. We can feel like we don't matter. But God has written our names down. He knows us and he cares for us individually. And this list as well is more than just stating the fact that God knows who we are. This is a role of honour. This is a list which God, the hidden author of this list and of every list in the Bible, is pleased to have his people read. God wants this list in his word. And he's pleased that this list is in his word. And he's pleased with these children of his that went back to the promised land. And he is pleased that we too are in his kingdom. He doesn't grudgingly take us into his kingdom, but he gladly calls us home. To know that God cares for individual people is wonderful for us, isn't it? It's wonderful to know that God cares for us. Perhaps some people here feel so burdened with sin, so weighed down, that they feel they they cannot come to God, or they feel so bad that they think, well, God wouldn't have anything to do with me. Well, come to God again afresh and see that he is pleased to have you in his family. He cares for you individually and he longs for you to come home to him. And just one final, very uh, brief point. If this list of people is so important to God and God cares for his people so much, then we also ought to love God's people. Every person in our fellowship, every person in God's kingdom, is cared for and loved by God individually and personally. For every individual in the kingdom of God, Jesus has died and paid the price for their sin. And so we ought to love them in return. Even when they are difficult, even when we wonder what on earth has God done. <laughs> but God knows. God cares for them and has died for them. What a wonderful God we have. We've seen this week the God of the list. It's a list of God's people. So let's be sure that we are part of his family through the forgiveness of Christ. It's a list of God's grace. So let's be thankful for God's grace and live in the light of it through adoration and praise of of Jesus. It's a list of God's care for individuals. So let's remember the God who knows us individually and intimately and is pleased to have us on his list. And let's treat others in the same way that God does. Next week we're going to see how we are a people who ought to live as God's people as we look at the people of the list. But for now let's consider the God behind the list And worship him as we sing. We're going to sing a song which fits really well with this list of God's people. That he has prepared a place for me. So let's stand together and sing.